Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Terminator, 
closing in. An adventure unlike anything you've ever seen before. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Greetings once again. Somehow you stumbled across the Tragedy of Cinema podcast once again. Uh, I'm your host, Jibbo, and my ever-loving Pokemon... (laughs) Terrence. 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 This is episode 33, where we'll be discussing The Terminator. Um, This is a fun movie. Um, I know it's some people's favorites, so we're going to try to do it justice. But before we get into it, Terrence, you know what time it is. Yes, let's do it. What, Terrence, the question, well, we're going to have two questions. The yep. first question is, what do you think Arnold Schwarzenegger's best movie is? His best movie, okay. He is. Cl- or your favorite, either, okay. whichever way um, you want to look at it, or both. My favorite is, um, gosh, what's, what's the movie with him and, uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, Danny DeVito? Uh, Twins? Twins. Yeah, twins. I love twins. Okay, you <laughs> I think I think the one that I like the most is probably Commando, where they take okay, his daughter yeah. and he just goes Commando. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after all the people <laughs> ripping out cars and the car seats and all that. Yeah, yeah. Great. And, of course, what prop would you take from the Terminator, bud? I had the hand at the end. The hand? Yeah. I, that would be pretty cool. I think I think probably the motorcycle. Yeah, or his sunglasses, oh, or the or the eyeball, you know. Oh the, yeah, no, right. yeah, it rips out. Yeah, uh, so. I, I always like things small when I think of like props because where you gonna store it, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, because I'm always like moving from one place to the next, and I'm like, well, it'd be cool to have like you know these bigger props or like you know like a yeah. motorcycle or something like that. So for but, those uh, keeping record, okay. Terrence has a uh, Forrest Gump's ping pong paddle and he has <laughs> the Terminator hand. So, <laughs> all right, and some burnt. Uh, 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 the, the, uh, not yet, you yeah, know. Right. <laughs> we may have had a couple other episodes already recorded, so he can't go into spoilers. So, <laughs> um, right. So, um, Terrence, let's go well, ahead and well, take it. What prop would you? Oh yeah, you said the motorcycle. The motorcycle, or yeah, I don't know. Tied as always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go uh, ahead. Let's dive uh, into it. The Terminator release date October twenty sixth, nineteen eighty four. Its budget was estimated at a six point four million. Uh, for today, that is five million. You know, I'm sitting there thinking. You said 94. I was seven. Fifteen million. I was. Million. I was just had turned seven years old. Crazy. That is crazy. I didn't know it had been out that long. It seems like, well, not that I'm not that old, but I mean, it just doesn't <laughs> seem like it's been that long. So time's flying. I'm a nick of five. You <laughs> <laughs> wasn't even a twinkle in your mom's eye. Yet. <laughs> uh, so uh, opening weekend USA, that is four million. Uh, 9.4 million for today. Uh, gross USA is 38 million and then 90.3 million. Worldwide gross, 78.4 million, and that's 184.7 million today. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it definitely made its money back. Uh, this was directed by the James Cameron. Uh, writing credits goes to, uh, so this was written by James Cameron. Uh, and Gail Ann Hurd. And then additional dialogue uh, as William Wisher Jr. was uh, William Wisher. The technical specs. Runtime, an hour 47, so just a little bit longer than your average movie length. Sound mix, we're looking at mono for the original release, Dolby for the DVD re-release, and DTS HD uh, master audio. 
this is a color movie. This aspect ratio uh, also varies. So that's very interesting that uh, we have different aspect ratios. So the VHS release was uh, 1.33 by 1. VHS? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Negative ratio is 1.66 by 1. The DVD Blu-ray release is 1.78 by 1. And then finally there was another release... Um, it doesn't specify, but I'd imagine it's either theatrical. Um, it's a 1.85 by 1. Um, one that we haven't seen yet is, uh, and then it probably only is like a few movies, but I wonder if any any of the movies that we'll cover in the future will be like, oh, here was the Betamax uh, <laughs> aspect ratio. <laughs> if they have information on it. The camera that was used was the uh, Aeroflex 35BL. Uh, Zeiss lenses. Yeah, that seems like the Fry's first time we've Michael, heard about that one. Yeah, 35 R3 for special effects. So a special camera was used for the special, special effects in, in general. And you can uh, you can tell, but I think it's still really well done that you know obviously there's an overlay when it comes to the special effects. So it's a new type of special effect that you know we've seen at least you know on the podcast. Um, the laboratory. This was edited in. Uh, this was consolidated film industries in Hollywood, USA, for the processing, and then deluxe Hollywood for the print. So it stayed in Hollywood, but it jumped between two different uh, editing uh, laboratories. Film length. We're looking at two thousand nine hundred and twenty-four meters, and that's the cut version. And then the full version was two thousand nine hundred and thirty-five. And now I never realized that there was a cut version. Hmm. Uh, let's see, negative format, 35 millimeter, cinematographic process, digital intermediate for the 2012 remaster, spherical, printed film format, 35 millimeter. And now for the awards. Right at the top, we are right back at the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA. Okay, before you start, do you consider this a science fiction movie or a horror movie? I would say more so. After watching it, from what I remembered before watching it, I would have said, like, it, it, my memory turned out failed me. But I'm like, <laughs> I think it was, like, more of a horror movie, like a sci-fi slasher. But then, you like, you kind of rewatch it. I would, I would categorize it as Because, sci-fi. you know, he's he's just basically just keeps coming after him and after him. That's yeah. how they – some people justify it as – Exactly. A horror movie, you know what I mean? But uh, after rewatching, I'd I'd put it in the the sci more sci fi than anything, um, especially because of those flashbacks, right? Uh, this so it won the Saturn Award for best science fiction film, uh, best writing James Cameron, Gail Ann Hurd, uh, best makeup Stan Winston, and nominated for the Saturn Awards of best actor Arnold Schwarzenegger, best actress Linda Hamilton. Best Director, James Cameron, and Best Music, Brad Fidel. Then we have the uh, Ria's <laughs> the what? Fantastic What was I? Can you say it again? <laughs> what was it? Uh, Averia's. See, I don't think we've had that award yet yeah, either. No, we haven't. Uh, that's 1985 winner grand prize, James Cameron. And who is on the face? Okay. Um... DVD Exclusive Awards 2001 nominated Video Premiere Award Best Original Retrospective Documentary Van Ling for Other Voices Breaking Through Time Creating the Terminator. So this Hmm. it's not the movie itself but a documentary based off of this movie. And then um, Best DVD Menu Design. I haven't actually seen the DVD version of this. Uh, When I watched it it was VHS copy. 
Well, when I watched it, it was the uh, digital. The more recent one was digital, so oh, yeah, well, it yeah, you don't have a DVD menu on there. Digital, yeah. Um, and then finally, National Film Film Preservation Board 2008. So it won the National Film Registry. So now, uh, what I wanted to start doing was, you know, diving into some of these awards that we see a lot in particular, and then uh, talking a little bit about them. And the National Film Preservation Board in general uh, is. Uh, a board that selects films for preservation in the Library of Congress National Film Registry. Uh, it was established by the National Film Preservation Act of 1988. So 1988 is when this award was created, more or less. Um, National Film Registry is meant to preserve up to 25 culturally, historically, and anesthetically significant films each year. And to be eligible, uh, they must be out for at least 10 years. Um, members of the board also advise Librarian of Congress on ongoing development and implementation of the National Film Preservation Plan. So uh, basically, they just you know pick 25 movies of significance, and then they go, okay. Uh, and you can also submit some movies yourself. Um, I think we're gonna next year. Our goal is to get one show that we have covered into the <laughs> library. Well, that's the thing is like a lot of them are already on there. Well, right, and, but but it's it also goes off uh, by um, the, how the public can contribute, you know, and suggest movies. So I figure if all of our listeners email the Library of Congress about a movie yeah. that is not in there that we've covered, we should push it in there, right? <laughs> and so uh, uh, I'll go into just a, a tad bit of. Um, who comprises of this board, right? Uh, so the board is appointed by the Librarian of Congress uh, and is composed of representatives from professional organizations representing the film industry, uh, archives, scholars, filmmakers, and others uh, who comprise a diverse American motion picture community. And that's the other uh, sort of a, a requirement is, you know, it's an American movie. How would you love to have that job? I think we need oh, to be yeah. on that, that <laughs> I know, right? thing, right? We, we got to become more influential so we can be on this board. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this is explicit, explicitly is it is composed up to five at-large members uh, with five alternatives and 17 member alternate pairs uh, from the following 18 organizations. And then it lists a bunch of organizations. And let's see if we fall under any of these. It doesn't look like it. Anyway, unless we somehow get into the Writers Guild of America. Well, you said two at large. I was like, they didn't say too large. Or we would be, I mean, hey, that's us. All right. So I also wanted to name some of the movies that this also made the board with so some other movies that made the board at the same time in 2008 uh, we're looking at the seventh voyage of Sinbad that came out <sighs> in 1958 uh, Deliverance it's a good movie 1972 Sergeant York 1941 good and movie. then a movie that we've covered on this show The Invisible Man yes sir and I like how it, how they um, they don't just stick to one year when they put them in that they spread it out they do yeah so I think that's pretty cool and yeah, so that, uh, that's that's pretty much the um, uh, everything about the National Film Preservation right. Board. Since we've seen it so much, um, and next time we see it, uh, which I feel like will it, it always another one that always pops up. But <laughs> next time I'll cover Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. So look forward to that. Um, moving on to the next award ceremony, which is Online Film and Television Association 2019. It won the Ofta Film Hall of Fame uh, Motion Picture. 
Then we have a new award. That we, another new award. <laughs> this we award seen. is awesome. It's the Yoga Awards 2004. So what's it for? Special. It won what? Special award. Worst trilogy. <laughs> James Cameron for Terminator 2 love and Terminator 3. But yeah, well, term, Terminator but, 2 Judgment Day. Right, that's the and name of Terminator 2. Terminator 3, but what I'm saying is machines, yeah. Terminator 2 was probably the best of the Terminators. And and, but then yeah. Terminator 3 was probably the worst. You know what I mean? So I guess you got to take the good with Which the bad. Which I guess is why they like retconned right. it. And we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of uh, James Cameron here a little bit of how, how this is like his first major chance at a motion picture. And there's some stuff that happened that we'll tell you about. But first, let's talk about the cast. And Terrence, you're not going to believe some of these names that was going to play in some this movie. So when I say the name and then I tell you the names that could have played them or, yeah. or actually auditioned for. Yeah. I want you to say, mm, no, yes, I can see that. No, there's no way. Okay. Yeah. And then there's one that's just going to kill you. It's hilarious. So here we go. Arnold Schwarzenegger played the Terminator. He was a cybernetic android disguised as human being set back in time to assassinate Sarah Connor. Yep. Which is basically what I just told you was the uh, synopsis since we didn't have one wrote yeah. down, right? So... Uh, but here we go. Here's some people. Are you ready? All right. To play, that was going to play the actual Terminator. Mel Gibson. Yes yep. or no? Oh, Mel Gibson. Did you um, see him? No. Okay. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> I'm going to put maybe. <laughs> uh, Kevin Klein. Um, I don't know. Michael Douglas. I can, okay, I can. I think I can see Michael Douglas. Uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. No, not Kevin Costner. I think I can see him playing Reese. Yeah, I maybe. can see him playing Reese. John Travolta. No. Robin Williams. Ooh, no. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. He he just might be. Able to Martin pull, but I, Martin Sheen. But I think if uh, hold on, just to jump back on uh, Jack Nicholson, I feel like he'd have a totally different vibe if it was Jack Nicholson. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like more of a crazed machine, like. <laughs> Uh, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Nah. Um, Harrison Ford. Wow, there's so many. Um, Harrison, no, uh, no. Richard Gere. Uh, no. Jurgen Prochnow. I don't even know. I don't is. either. But uh, Ron Perlman. I could see Ron Perlman. Stephen Lang. Uh, what else was he? Stephen Lang in? Not Name doesn't ring a bell. Uh, Chevy Chase. Ooh. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. He that would have been an interesting that one, I think. That would have been an interesting choice. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> no. And are you ready? Are you ready for this one? Let's go. OJ Simpson <laughs> was considered for the Terminator, but the producers feared he was too nice to be taken seriously as a cold-blooded killer. <laughs> <laughs> this was, of course, oh, before man. Simpsons trial. The first Simpson trial, the dark, uh, dark horse, dark horse comics actually printed issues using his likeness. That's I was like, wow, he was too nice. I just thought that was funny. To be honest, though, I could, I could see it. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. So I, many I mean, people. I could see more like uh, which. Um, like Lou Gossett Jr., I think he would have been a good one. You know what yeah. I mean? Somebody. So here we go. Michael Bean, who played Kyle Reese, uh, who was the resistant fighter, he sent back in time to protect Sarah. Yep. Uh, we had Bruce Willis. Okay, yeah. Sting. Sting. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Not the NWO Sting, but Sting uh, the music. Yeah, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Mickey Rourke. 
Mickey Rourke. That's an interesting choice. That would have been interesting. Uh, Sylvester Stallone again. Okay. And Richard Gere. So Richard Gere got so, another. So okay, here's the while we're on um, was it Kyle Reese, right? Uh, originally, when I don't remember if we talked about it before, if I was talking about it with somebody else, but originally Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted to play the part of Kyle mm-hmm. Reese. Um, but something about I, I forgot he had talks with like we'll get to it okay gotcha. we'll get to it that's when he read the script with uh, James Cameron that's right we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it um, Linda Hamilton played Sarah Connor the Terminator's target who is soon to be the mother of the future resi- resistance leader John Connor so they uh, auditioned slash wanted slash tried out for Jennifer Jason Lee hmm. Gina Davis okay Julie Louise Trifus from oh, right Seinfeld there. fame and Leia Thompson I, I don't really think you could go bad with any of those. Yeah, that, but I'm actually glad uh, they chose who they chose. Right. I mean... Well, it, no, that's just because you know who she is, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I'm not so much thinking in terms of the first one. I'm thinking, like, because I well, really like her in the second one. Right, uh, and just I know she's in the new one, but, you know, I think... Uh, wasn't Amelia Clark in, one of, like, Genesis or the other one, uh, Salvation yeah, or something? Yeah, and then yeah, there was yeah. another person that played... But we'll get to those in future episodes. Uh, Paul Winf- uh, Winfield as Ed Traxler, a police lieutenant who questioned Sarah. They wanted, uh, who also tried for this, was Edward James Olmos. Okay, yeah. And Louis Lugasa Jr. So Edward James Olmos would have been a good one. Yeah. Uh, Lance Henri- Henriksen as Vukovic, a member of the LAPD. Earl Boyne as Dr. Silberman, a criminal psychologist. Bess Mata, Ginger, which was Sarah's roommate. And Rick Rosovich as Matt, Ginger's boyfriend. And last but not least... Bill Paxton. <laughs> he was the punk uh, gang leader or whatever at the opening scene. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I had to throw him that in there. That would have been a fun little, like, um, So a little bit about this. Um, this is the shortest Terminator movie at 107 minutes. Wow. Okay. Um, there was something else I had to say here at the beginning. Man, these notes, man. One of these days I'll get serious <laughs> about this. But uh, we'll just go ahead and talk. And then when I get to it, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're saying this? Oh, here this, it is. Okay. In a 2000 interview with Lance Henriksen, uh, James Cameron had no agent and was either living in his car or sleeping on the couch of a friend when he wrote the script for the film. Cameron had actually fired his agent because he didn't like the story ideal Cameron had conceived for this film. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was like, wow. Um, I mean, that's that's the belly of the beast with Hollywood. It sucks. Like, you'll, you'll come up with an original idea that... Uh, could be really good and then like you know right uh, you got you know the hollywood exec side of things or like agents going like hmm, nah let's change it and as a you know a, a creative mind you, you want to see your idea take you know flourish right. not be changed so much well so, yeah, there, there was that. there was also a science fiction author harlan ellison sued james cameron claiming that while he hugely enjoyed the film he felt the story was plagiarized from the two uh, two of the Outer Limits in 1963 episodes that he had written, namely The Outer Limits Soldier from 1964 and The Outer Limits Demon with a Glass Hand from 1964. Huh. The concept of Skynet could also have been borrowed from an Ellison short story called I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Oh, man. The suit was settled out of court and newer prints of the film acknowledged Ellison. Cameron has claimed that this settlement was forced upon him by the producers who refused to support him. He felt that Ellison made invalid and opportunistic claims and wanted to go, uh, go the case to go to trial. However, the insurance company told him that he would be held personally responsible for financial damages huh. in the event that he lost the trial. 
Since mm. he was short on money at the time, Cameron couldn't take the risk. Yeah. So he had no choice but to accept the settlement, a fact that he has always resented. Oh, wow. Speaking of which, the I Have No Mouth and I Am a Screen, that, that book is absolutely bonkers. Well, have you seen it? Read it? <laughs> I've read it, and there's a, an old point-and-click adventure game that's based off the book. I should have known it was. <laughs> it is equally uh, bonkers, because I, I played the game first, and I read the book, and oh my gosh, it's... Oof. Right. So um, I'm sure I got some other stuff in here about James Cameron, and I'll get to it. But let's yeah. go ahead and start talking about Arnold. Um, Arnold was considered so indispensable for the film that when he went off to do Conan the Destroyer in 1984, first, the, they were prepared to wait rather than have him recast for uh, him during the intern or whatever. I'm glad they did. Right. So um, another thing is, uh, contrary to popular belief, Lance Henriksen was never going to be the Terminator. However, James Cameron based some of his early sketches on Terminator in his likeness. Okay, yeah. Um, so Cameron pitching the film's idea of the producer in a rather unique way. He propelled himself for the meeting by dressing up in some leathers, um, adding, or this is Hen- Hendrickson, um, adding a cut on his head and putting gold foil on his teeth. Fifteen minutes before the meeting, he kicked the door to the office in. He then just silently sat there and stared at the producers, which made them gradually uncomfortable. <laughs> when Cameron arrived and uh, stared at the, or when Cameron arrived, Henriksen left the room. He later heard that one of the producers even said, "I don't care who you use for the Terminator, just not him." Oh wow! <laughs> so he must have done his job to help get the movie done. All right, right. Um, oh, by the way, Deborah Winger was James Cameron's first choice for Sarah Connor. Okay, and um, also Michelle Pfeiffer. This is well, this is the page I was looking for. Uh, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, Diane Lane, and Carrie Fisher were all considered to play the part, and both Sharon Stone and Kelly McGillis auditioned for the role. Imagine, no oh, man, that's that's, that's, pretty, that's some good. That's a good yeah. list. Carrie Fisher would have been interesting to see uh, in the role of Sarah Connor, especially for two. I think that would have been interesting. So the be- so the beginning of production was postponed for nine months due to Schwarzenegger's commitment to Conan the Destroyer. Um, during that time, James Cameron wanted to be working, but didn't have the time to do a whole other film. He had a talk with some producers at 20th Century Fox who liked his screenplay, The Terminator, and gave him a writing assignment. This turned out to be Aliens from 1986. Wow. On the same day, he was also asked to write a script for Rambo First Blood Part Two. <laughs> uh, while handling these two assignments, he also did additional work on his Terminator screenplay, writing each script at night at a different desk in order to keep the projects apart. He calculated how many pages he had to write each night by dividing the total number of pages by the number of hour, uh, waking hours per night. What so a this guy, gentleman. this wow. guy, this was his first production. And then he has those two he wrote. What, what's crazy is like as he's doing this, he's writing other big hits, and he has no idea. Right, like, that's insane. You haven't even got your first one in the can, you know. I mean, that, that means, man, what a creative guy. Right, so, like. To, to be able to concentrate on each project. I mean, the different desk is a good that idea. That is a really good idea. Because uh, it, it'll get you in the mindset of that particular project. Right. Where, like, I think if they were all together, it would it would have been easy to get ideas jumbled up. But And, wow. you know, and, you know throughout throughout the uh, 80s, um, I know you had barely been on the scene yet, if, if you've been on the scene at all in the 80s. Um, <laughs> The, there was uh, the big thing was Stallone versus Arnold, Arnold versus yeah. Stallone. You know, it was a big uh, action movie thing. That's why they hardly ever ever worked together until what the Expendables, I do believe. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, if you remember in the uh, last action hero movie with Arnold, yeah. um, they, they they go through a blockbuster store and there is a cardboard cutout of Sylvester Stallone dressed <laughs> like the Terminator. Yeah. So I thought that's a good nod. You know what I mean? Um, also, Peter Kent. 
He was a stunt double for Arnold uh, for this movie, and he did the Arnold stunts for the next ten years. Oh wow! Okay. So that's solid stunt work. And all right, we're rolling through these. Um, let's see. Uh, Arnold was originally being considered to play Kyle Reese instead of the Terminator. Uh, the bodybuilder turned actor had made a name for himself in The Long Goodbye, Pumping Iron, and Conan the Barbarian. And when Orion Pictures executive Mike Metavoy met the actor at a party, he sent him the script for consideration. James Cameron, however, had envisioned Reese as a non-bulky and more sensitive man, so he was less than enthusiastic about casting a former Mr. Universal in the pivotal role. Largely on Metavoy's insistence, he went out to meet and have lunch with Schwarzenegger anyway. He later admitted that he had planned to pick a fight with him so that he could claim that the actor was impossible to work with. But against his expectations, they got along just fine. And Schwarzenegger showed great enthusiasm about the script in general and its dark antagonist in particular, providing tips on how this villain should behave. It was then that Cameron had a change of heart and offered Schwarzenegger the title role of the Terminator, saying, this movie is not about heart, and offered Schwarzenegger the title role of the Terminator. Oh, it's not about heart. Uh, or Let me get this right. This movie is not about the hero, uh, it's about the Terminator. Schwarzenegger gladly accepted, even overruling his agent who advised him against playing villains. Cameron and and Schwarzenegger have been good friends ever since. I I think it's it's really good that he did that, because not playing a villain uh, would leave him in... A more typecast. Exactly. You know, so, and how so many, like he has an agent that's trying to typecast him, and that's us. So it's and like, how many how many actors have we went to that said? Uh, I, I think of Norman Bates, uh, Anthony Daniel, oh, uh, not Anthony, that's C three PO, Anthony <laughs> Perkins. Yeah. You know, I think about him. Remember, all he got was some crazy things. He said yeah. Psycho typecasted him, so he could, couldn't get anything. I think of the guy from uh, the Universal Monsters project we did that played um, the. Uh, the crazy Frankenstein's helper and oh uh, yeah, he, yeah they said that he got typecasted for that and he would always play like the henchman villain you know exactly what I mean? so, and so you know in, instead of being the uh, the action hero and everything he gets a chance to play a villain role and he does great at it uh, yeah that's that's a lot to unpack in that so oh yeah uh, and and just James Cameron didn't even want him that's the that's amazing hilarious. part and then they yeah. ended up becoming friends and they're still friends to this day you know what I mean uh, yeah. but but. But what I found funny is you have this movie where Arnold is the or the Terminator is the bad guy. Yeah. In Terminator Two, what's he become? He becomes the good guy. The good guy you know, yeah. so it's very interesting. And uh, I mean, he just seems like a really interesting, nice guy to me. Like, yeah, Arnold or yeah, James Arnold. Cameron. Yeah, Arnold. Uh, I think Arnold would be, would be awesome. Like, I've seen a lot of interviews of just like him, just making videos, and he just seems like a really chill, like genuinely nice dude. Uh, so it's it's no surprise that after James Cameron met him, uh, he changed his mind. Uh, this is another cool fact. Uh, the Terminator is the only character to be listed in the American Film Institute's 100 Heroes and Villains as both a villain for this film and a hero for Terminator 2. Yep. Uh, Al Pacino uh, is the only other actor to be listed as playing a villain and a hero. Uh, but he, but uh, Pacino did it by playing two different characters. Uh, 13 other actors and actresses appear twice or more, but either as all heroes or as all villains. There's, you know, other actor bounces between uh, hero and villain, Sean Bean. Yeah, but he always dies in all those movies. <laughs> That's also true. You know, hero or villain, he does die. Right. Spoiler um, alert for any Sean Bean movie. Right, but um, <laughs> you know, you, you think about that. Uh, those are the only. T- I was trying to think of somebody else that's played the same character as a good guy and a bad guy, and it's that's hard the, to think that's of one. The biggest. Um, I mean, I guess. I guess. Alan Rickman. 
In a way, yeah. I guess he's more like he's more anti-hero of a, right. villain. Yeah. Um, I would probably say, um, what's his name? Um, oh, it's not going to come to me. <laughs> what uh, was he in? Well, uh, no, I was okay. going to say like, um, let's say Harley Quinn, for instance, in oh. Suicide Squad. Yeah. She played the good guy, but she was a bad guy, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they, uh, they, 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 they were the bad guys that stopped the bigger bad guy. You know what I mean? So yeah. therefore, she was a hero. Right. Yeah. So, so a- anti-hero. Right. And that, so in I'm just sense. saying... She played them both in one movie, though. You know That's what I mean? Yeah. So uh, just something like that. Uh, so moving on. Uh, so as you can tell, Arnold just killed it in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I think he did really good. Uh, the Terminator's motorcycle, like I said, I would keep. Remember? Yeah. Um, it was later displayed in Arnold Schwarzenegger's restaurant, Planet Hollywood. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the actual... Uh, we'll talk about Linda Hamilton for a little bit. Uh, Linda Hamilton actually broke her ankle prior to production. Oh, wow. Okay. So most of the chase scenes uh, were moved towards the end of the shooting schedule to allow her leg to heal. Okay. Yeah, um, her ankle had to be taped every day uh, so she could do her running. But yeah. she spent most of the time during, doing the shoot in pain. Ouch. So, I mean... I mean, I'm glad it didn't, like, permanently affect her, as we've seen in other, at least that we know of. That we've, Well, we've was it Boris in, Karloff, I think, had permanent back problems from yep. making that guy, making him carry him over yeah. and all that. And then, uh, um, uh, yeah, there's there's a handful of other actors that we've covered in other podcasts that got an injury, and it still sticks with them to this day. <laughs> right. She did a fantastic job, too. But uh, the, the fog, the, remember, the uh, the fog in this, this, the fog during the scenes when the Reese and... Um, Sarah Connor, uh, when they leave the bridge where they spent the night, is actually bug spray. Because uh, due to the big fly scare, there was a big fly scare in the the county uh, during the the location where they were filming. So they said they were going to wait until the spray, you know, was gone. Uh, But they was like, eh, we'll just use it as a special effect instead, right? (laughs) Uh, So it's pretty cool. That was on the, that was an Easter egg on the uh, DVD. Um, also, uh, Carew's Restaurant, which is where Sarah Connor worked, was filmed only 0.6 miles from Pee-wee's house in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> hey, Some I, contrasting right, locations. Right. right. Uh, most of the car scenes were shot at normal speed, and then um, they were sped up slightly to add, to add more sense for the speed. They would put, actually, lights on cars alongside the road. To make it look like they were going faster, you know, with revolving <laughs> lights, it yeah. seemed like the car was passing other light sources yeah. as it's going. So that's, that's a it's a little, little trick little of trick. Uh, sleight of camera, I guess. But yeah. speaking of cameras, um, they they use head handheld cameras for some of the scenes too. Oh wow! Uh, okay. So they wanted to give energy to the scene, you know, what I mean, where they would yeah. could focus better or whatever. Um, and they just the way they caught that, they said we couldn't get it better any other way. Yeah. So uh, that was from cinema, cinematographer Adam Greenberg. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger allegedly now this is just hearsay allegedly uh, uh, delayed the start of filming by two days by claiming that the custom made leather jacket wasn't manly enough that's hilarious <laughs> it so, won't fit actually you know what oh, now that I think about it maybe that would be like that'd be, that'd be a fun prop too to have that leather jacket huh um, and I wanted to jump back to and the, the sunglasses camera. oh yeah the sunglasses you gotta go together right um Jumping back to the camera, I, I want to throw out an interesting fact about just camera work in general. Um, so when it comes to camera work, you know how you get a difference between how movies look and how uh, sort of, uh, let, let's just say soaps. You know how soaps like look totally different from like movies. And uh, the difference is the frames per second, 
uh, movies are films like majority of movies are like 25 frames per second and where uh, like soap operas and stuff are at a higher frames per second so right. we're, we're looking at like you know uh, like 60 you know kind of like uh, uh, video games are typically at 60 and so when you get that super clearness it just seems so weird from regular cinema so typically like let's say you're using like a phone camera or like a handheld camera they're filming at the higher fps and that's why when you're using your own personal camera to like you know make a fun little home video movie or something like that right it still it has that contrasting difference because movies are edited to be at a lower fps to get that cinema feel right and what was that movie um it looked like uh, it was from the point of point of view of the person. Yeah. Uh, what was that movie where all you seen was his hands? It oh, looked like a GoPro yeah, on top of his yeah, head, yeah. but you never saw uh, the uh, actor. Action Henry or something. Henry. I was going to say Henry something, but I yeah. don't know what it was. It you was, know what I mean? And yeah. I didn't know if, if that was something like they used for this because they caught a lot of action with that too. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Well, uh, it, you can tell it in the fluidity of move. Excuse me, in the fluidity of movement, almost. And like I said, when you know, when you when you're watching like a soap opera, uh, you just get that like feel that someone's holding a camera and the reason why is because it's at a higher fps um so if you like want it to make it more cinema looking you lower the frames per second right so um a little thing that arnold did before you know um being cast as the terminator he actually went back and watched westworld the movie from 1973 which starred Yul Brynner, which if you go back to, I think it's our seventh episode, The Magnificent Seven, starring Yul Brynner, you yep. can hear a whole bunch of stuff about him in that. Have you seen that movie? But, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, but he, Yul Brynner plays a robot in that film. Yep. Okay. So during their first meeting, Schwarzenegger talks to James Cameron about, you know, the Terminator should be played like this, and that whoever plays it shouldn't act like a machine, but be a machine. Yeah. And uh, this convinced Cameron <laughs> to cast Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Because, I mean, this guy was doing some... Some groundwork, you know what I mean? That's a good place to start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the iconic catchphrase of uh, I'll be back. Yeah. It was I almost became I will be back. Uh, but because uh, because he thought it sounded more machine-like without a contraction, he also felt I'll sound too feminine. It was the one major disagreement between James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger. All Cameron had to say to this, uh, that was, I don't tell you how to act, so you don't tell me how to write. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess we won't cross those paths anymore. Um, so, but uh, the crew, the crew that worked, made, they made t-shirts that yeah. says, you can't scare me, I work for James Cameron. <laughs> I was like, so he's getting a reputation. But you got to remember, this is his first film. He's pouring his heart and soul. He's got oh, yeah. his vision he wants to get to. And this he's got this shot. This is his shot. And he's like, you're not going to tell me how to write. I think I got a winner here. Yeah. Just do your part. And I, I got to say, this this comes up a lot. And um, it always makes me wonder what happens between, you know, certain actors and directors. Because uh, you get actors like um, Edward Norton, who's, in, who's notoriously known to be incredibly difficult to work with because he's always butting heads with the director trying to change the artistic direction. He's like, I really think it should be this. And he won't budge. So either he gets recasted, or they buckle, or the director buckles, and then they take his advice. And so um, it's it's very interesting to kind of always see those uh, actors, directors butting heads, yeah. as we've seen in uh, uh, some of our other podcasts, right? Right. Um, the puppet, the Arnold Schwarzenegger's face, took six months to create. Oh wow! That that's a detailed puppet. Yeah. Um, 
The teaser trailer for this, okay, uh, was narrated by Peter Cullen. Do you know who he is? What is his voice best known for? The robotic hero Optimus Prime from Transformers. Oh, that's right. I was like, I was like, I know the name, but I can't put it to a, a, a source. <laughs> right. Optimus Prime. Uh, <laughs> Autobots roll out. Transform and roll out. Um, another thing is, you know, you know how Terminator that when you look through the Terminator thing, it goes red and it starts zooming in and yeah, all the computerized yeah. thing. I thought that was always really cool. Well, it shows a dump on uh, of the ROM assembler uh, code from the Apple II operating system. <laughs> if you own an Apple II, enter at the basic prompt uh, like a smiley face call dash one five one star p. This will give you the Terminator view. Other code visibly written is C O B O L. So, okay, yeah. if anybody cool. has an Apple II, <laughs> let's put that in there and see what <laughs> it does. Terminator code. Right. Uh, so, it turns out Terminators run off an Apple operating system. Apple takes over the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, predicted the future. Um, another little thing is, oh, by the way, the I'll be back line, it was originally scripted as I'll come back. Oh, okay. I'm so, glad they changed it. Right. It isn't. Uh, the beginning of the movie, there's a special cameo where uh, Sarah Connor receives a message on her answering machine. Remember when she gets that phone call and yeah. the guy breaks up with her? Oh, I can't make the day. Yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah. It's actually James Cameron's voice. Huh. Years later, Hamilton and Cameron got married and subsequently divorced. So oh, man. it's like, well, I guess, yeah, you know. Uh, one afternoon during a break in filming, Schwarzenegger went into a restaurant in downtown L.A. to get some lunch. But quickly realized all too late that he was still in his Terminator makeup. That's great. With a missing eye, exposed jawbone, and burned flesh. That's fantastic. He's like, yeah, um, I'll take the soup. That's fantastic. <laughs> I still think the best uh, like left in costume was um, uh, was a Magnificent Seven that they all they all rode in. Uh, still dressed in their, their western. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> And last but not least, the film was not intended to be a sci-fi action film, but a dark horror film. However, many movie viewers left the film was an felt the film that was an action movie when they first saw it in theaters. James Cameron was so surprised that he decided to make action movies after this. Months before the release, Cameron did not expect any sort of success in the box office or reviews by critics to come from this film. Ironically, it is now considered to be one of the greatest films of all time. That's that's really so. Cool. So it's like if it had not been labeled that, we could have seen a whole different repertoire of movies. From that he guy. would have been writing horror movies instead of instead science of fiction. Action. And yeah. look at all the stuff that he's produced. In the man. Now he has quite the repertoire. Now I mean, he's one of the. the most I would say directors. I would say James Cameron, Ron Howard, uh, probably George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Stanley Kubrick, um, Quentin Tarantino. Michael Bay is right, but Michael Bay is just a bunch of explosions. <laughs> yeah, but like, we know him by name. Like, okay, but so if you, you but if you're, put, but if you're putting out Michael the, Bay versus James Cameron, who what films are you watching? Oh, James Cameron, of right, course. Right. I was talking about well-known directors that like the sort of the average person would know by name, right? Because like, l- l- let's be honest, there's when it comes to uh, a lot of the other directors, you wouldn't know them if you heard their name. We're like. You mention any of the ones we mentioned, they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. And as much as he cannot be classified in some of the caliber of some of the directors we mentioned, people do know Michael Bay by name because of his bump. Really and, and a lot of those movies. and a lot of those people are destroying my childhood. <laughs> Michael Bay. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so Terrence, that's the Terminator. Go ahead and give me your thoughts on the feelings on this movie. So I want to give a little background. Uh, <laughs> oh, so he's going back in time. Right. Uh, so... Before we watched this, and we were actually talking about it 
uh, before we actually rewatched it. My memories were hazy of it, but like, like I mentioned before briefly, um, I remember it being more, you know, of a like a slasher film. And um, I also remember not being too fond of the movie. Uh, but I was also younger, and I think there's probably parts I didn't understand and stuff like that. And um, it, it, it's funny rewatching. I'm like, I think I enjoyed it because it was just better than I remembered. So I came in with low expectations and then ended up enjoying it in the end because I had these really low expectations. And um, given there was certain parts where uh, I was like, why did that happen? Wait, what? And, but besides that I, I actually really enjoyed it um there was one big can of worms that they opened up with just one line alone and that's when uh sarah connor's talking to kyle reese and then she's like well if you're here doesn't that mean the future's already set like how could i prevent this if it's technically already happened he's like oh i'm just from one, one of the many possible timelines right and that's what i we talked about i was like so that's what I asked you. I said, so if he would have failed his mission, they could have just sent another Terminator back in time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then they're like, well, then John Connor wouldn't have been born. And you're like, you know, which came first, and the chicken yeah, or the exactly. egg? It's one of those. So then I guess it's so, like I said, it opens up this whole confusing talk. And it makes the series more, in that one line, it makes the series convoluted, even though it's not. You know right. I mean? It's a very simple story. But just that sentence, because when you, when you start dealing with time travel, it it gets wonky and if, real quick, real quick, and that line just threw me for a loop because I'm big in like time travel stuff and time travel movies. Well, that's like and if you so remember our Back like, to the Future Whoa. episode. If something he yeah. messed up in the past still had repercussions in the exactly. day, you know what I and mean. And he always went to like you know a different future or past, and right. so uh, that was just like wow. Okay, um, so then this is just one of many timelines which I guess it makes it easy to retcon like they did with the new Terminator we're like oh yeah this takes place right after Terminator 2 uh, so so back to Terminator 1 <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. it it was good if you are a fan of sci-fi it's, it's very sci-fi in my opinion I mean especially with all the flashbacks it's very like uh, like post-apocalyptic sci-fi but still sci-fi you know with all their their laser weapons and um i gotta say i I, that one scene where um you know he's walking through the little settlement of people and uh, at the bar or whatever not at the bar like it it, so it's in the future and he's he's walking through and he's tired because he's just come back from patrol and you can see everybody's just uh, uh, disheveled and you know barely hanging in there and then suddenly all the dogs start barking yeah and then you know the terminator gets up because he, he's posed as one of the uh the settlement people and he just starts mowing people down that was that was a really cool scene uh yeah there was something i i meant to say um and uh, I'm, I'm going through all these notes you see me but oh, there, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was an important thing i thought we should talk about you look for that i'll keep droning on okay well <laughs> i'm just gonna say it because what arnold had to do to prepare for this movie is um, he had to use over 50 different guns. And he would go, um, I thought they said that he would go for like several weeks and he would, he would, he had to be ambidextrous. Yeah. So he had to practice with this hand, he would practice this with him, and then he would practice without even looking 
Blinken or whatever, and he would he would uh, oh, load them, so unload yeah. them, and all that, okay. just keep going. So when he the, came to the movie, it portrayed you know like natural, like he's a machine, yeah. and he he got so good that you know he could he do it like a machine. He was able to do it, That's and I thought that awesome. was really cool. Uh, and it's really cool when uh, when actors go through uh, physical training, yeah, like physical that. training, and one in particular, and you can actually watch a video of him online uh, uh, that's recent is um, Keanu Reeves with John Wick. Like you watch him uh, do sort of a uh, uh, a speed run of like you know gun obstacle course, dude's a beast. And you also see that in the. Um the Star Wars movies where they do the lightsaber battles, yeah, they will practice that stuff for hours. And they actually, yeah, they actually get uh, formally trained by um, like sword practitioners right. and stuff like that. So that's really cool too. And so, uh, yeah, uh, this is a solid movie. I recommend it. Um, and especially if you were like me, where your memory's hazy of it because uh, you watched it a long time ago, and you're like, nah, I don't think I liked it. Give it another watch and see how you feel. Yeah, because uh, my mind was totally changed. I'm like, you know what? I like this movie. Well, it's like when I was talking to you, I was like, man, I was talking to a guy at work because they were supposed to come up here and help us do this episode, but they couldn't make it. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I said, I was talking to him and, and I said, yeah, I was like, you remember, you know, where they're going down the LA freeway, you know, the the drainage pipes or whatever they yeah. are. And he's like, dude, that's Terminator Two. And I was, oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but do you remember when you know he's like uh, going in the molten lava or whatever? He's like. Dude, that's Terminator, Terminator 2. And I was like, well, I don't even know what rem- remember what happened in Terminator 1. <laughs> that's the other so I was coming this, in like yeah. a brand new movie, you know, and then once I seen it, I started remembering things. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, once the – and I will put a warning out there because from the opening scene, there is some oh, language in this. Yes. And there is some nudity because Absolutely. they drop in naked from this the thing. This is a, a hard R for sure uh, if you were – if you didn't know already, right? Uh, um, if, if for some reason you didn't watch it before this episode, <laughs> right? But uh, just from once, Arnold, uh, I like Arnold when he goes into the. Uh, now, see, I watched Terminator Two, so this may not even be right. But when he goes, he goes into the gun store. Is that this one? That's and this he's one. like, I'll take yeah. uh, Uzi and, and I'll take this. He's like, he's off. like, oh well, you know. <laughs> I, I like the part where he's like, uh, I'll take a like a pulse rifle. Or something right? Like he's that. like, ah. he's like, wait, what? And then he then he just pauses for a second and he's like, I'll take the whatever shotgun. Yeah. And he just jumps back into like. <laughs> he's like, okay. He's like, well, you know, we can't do this. He's like, uh, I'll need something. So so many hours. Or he's like, oh, now yeah. I'll be fine. Or shoots the guy. You know, what I mean. And then something else that I found interesting was that when he, because in the movie he goes and he kills all the uh, Sarah Connors. He rips the name out of the phone book yeah. and he goes just down the list. And every time he goes to kill one man, he just plugs them like six times. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, he's yeah. not wasting any time, man. He's wanting to make sure they're dead, so he's capping them six times. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. So this movie, it keeps you on the edge of the seat because he chases them, and you think he's dead. You think they stopped him, yeah. and he just keeps coming, man. And then he gets in that semi, and uh, Reese oh, throws yeah. that uh, grenade in there. and the, the, the pipe bombs. Right, and uh, throws it in there, and it blows up. And then he's like, ah, oh. she's like, we got him. He's got him. And then you see him walk out of the flames, dude, just in his full Terminator X. Oh. Yeah. But the scene where he's digging his face, and he... he takes his eyeball oh, out yeah. and it puts it in the sink you know what i mean and and, and then you see the you see like the robot eye. stuff yeah and then he always wears sunglasses after that yep so uh i think there was a lot of special effects that this movie was the first to do absolutely um, yeah. so i i enjoyed that part of it i enjoyed the story like i said i'm a little confused about the time travel stuff that really confused me because i told you i said i, I don't that's, understand that's future stuff and what what's interesting and if arnold died in this movie how can he come back in terminator 2 and the exact look the exact same okay they explain that actually he's a different model 
But I know he's a different model, but, okay, but yeah. he looks the exact same. You see what I'm okay, saying? Okay, yeah, yeah. Instead of so, like, so if you're going by that, then the T1000 I think, could I think look they like... I think sent that one back in time because it was a familiar face for Sarah Connor, and I guess they didn't make the well, correlation of... But like, you remember, she's like, he's going to kill me in Terminator 2. He's like, he's going to kill me. But I guess if they would have sent back Reese, it would have been confusing because yeah, he died been, in her yeah. arms or whatever, you know. And just poor her. She spent all that time in the mental hospital, you know. yeah. But uh, it's really cool that she – so she ends up believing him and then she starts recording messages for the future, which yeah. we'll be talking about in Terminator 2. And I could say here and talk all night about Terminator 2, yeah. but the, this movie – I will say that, like, that alone changes into another timeline because – and the timeline Reese is from uh, John Connor knows nothing about his father, um, where in the recordings she immediately decides to change that and – right. She's like, I probably shouldn't tell you this. But I will. But I'm going yeah. to. Or he wouldn't want me to tell you this. Because you, I always thought it was cool. Because remember, if you remember when they did a flash to the future, and he has that little picture of her, and you're like, how did he yeah. get this picture of her? And, and at the end of the movie, the you see her taking a picture, yeah. and that kid, she bought that picture from that kid, and yep. I thought that was pretty cool. So definitely a movie. Definitely check it out. Just a little fair caution um, about language and a little bit of nudity in there. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. Probably... 25 years yeah long time yeah <laughs> so thanks for those that recommended it um also we wanted to say that this is coming out on uh what's day wednesday thanksgiving eve yeah be on the lookout because there will be another episode dropping tomorrow about eight o'clock in the morning for yep. your special thanksgiving treat we are we had a special guest come up and we did with uh, Eric Cummings and we did planes, trains, and automobiles. So we had a good time. You yeah. will not want to miss that it's because a fun it's fun. And if you haven't seen that movie, it's great too. But so watch the movie before <laughs> if you get time, or you know, just be careful if you watch it. There's a lot of language true, in that one too. Yeah. So oh yes, uh, yeah. So uh, but you can listen to that one tomorrow. So with that being said, I think, and I would go over all the social media stuff, but we're going to go over it again in the, uh, for tomorrow on Thursday's episode. So make sure you listen to that to catch it all. So tragedy of cinema, look us up anywhere and leave us a review. So, <laughs> Hey, and the downloads are skyrocketing. So thank we're you in like, everyone for who's listening. Yeah. And we're like in 22 countries now, 27. I've lost count. Uh, the da- I told Terrence, I said, we didn't even put out an episode last week. I look, we went over like another thousand downloads or something. I yeah. was like, what's going on? It's, so it's uh, the word of mouth getting out. Um, and I forgot to say it, and I told you to remind me. I want to send a special shout-out to my crew at the oh, Valvoline yeah. Oil, where I got my oil changed <laughs> on Monday, um, in, on Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you live out that way, go give them a shout-out. Uh, Matt, Whitney, uh, Jason, uh, they took care of me, and we started talking about the podcast and you know, a little talking about movies. So I told them I'd shout them out at the episode, so... Uh, guys, here's your shout-out. Next time I'm in, I'm see if you listen to this episode. I forgot. I was going to do it at the beginning of the show, and I told Terrence to remind me, but, you know, millennial, millennial mind, he forgot. So It's just the mind of a third-shift worker. That's This is past millennial. And something else now, too. We are on YouTube. Yes. Somehow, yes, somehow, I've finagled our way onto YouTube. So um, the only episode on there right now is the Forrest Gump episode. I'm not sure how to go back and put all the other ones on, but I think um, we'll see with the release of this one. If this one pops yeah. on there, then maybe from here on out they'll go on there. Yeah. So, well, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And, and cut. cut.